This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Sarah Beale joins me in talking about brooding upper-class white Americans who like to make problems for themselves with The Ice Storm and Igby Goes Down. Welcome! Hooray! Thanks for having me! Thank you for joining me on this um very special episode of off my shelf uh very woke episode <laughs> very woke episode yeah wide awoke over yeah. here <laughs> um i have to admit when i sat down to watch both of these movies i did not realize how much both of them had in common a and B, I remembered so little about both of these movies. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm just putting it out there. And now that I've rewatched them, I'm just like, what? And that's it. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, do you remember like the initial like thing that was like, oh, these movies, I got to watch these. Like, what was the draw for you? initially to for these because i had never watched these movies ever mm-hmm. until you asked me to be on this podcast so clearly like i missed it entirely but yeah it stuck with you so what was it for you um so both of these movies are relatively indie with amazing casts and they're sort of like character studies and I think I got these at that time where I was just like, I'm going to be a proper film person and I'm going to analyze things and I'm going to see how things are. And this is how you do it. You, you get pretentious, you know, uh, indie Ooh, films. Mise en songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just what you do, right? Um, so I have a feeling that's what happened. But like, I mean, you have to admit, the cast in both of these movies are is quite fantastic like i mean not very diverse no not very diverse at all (laughs) not diverse at all Mm -hmm. i mean i mean i i think there was so much lack of diversity that it was noted claire danes was playing a jewish character and that was like a big point and i was Mm -hmm. like oh goodness (laughs) yeah it's true um but like the cast is pretty amazing like I don't know which one you want to talk about first, but the ice storm. I like so many people like Kevin Klein. Was it Joan Allen? Yeah. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Toby Maguire. So Toby Maguire. Christina Ricci. So many people. So many people. <laughs> Christina Ricci. Yeah. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't Allison Janey show up? Yeah, she's the one who had the key party. Allison Janey was in there. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's a few people that show up that I was like, what? And I thought it was great but it's true it's like um i think i mentioned this like on like the last one or one before but i've because of the direct acts that most companies are trying to make whether it is genuine or just a money-making ploy to to make sure films and tv shows are more diverse the whiteness in both of these movies was so distracting to me yes it was and not only just like whiteness but like 
ultra wealthy whiteness like the the most privileged of yeah. the most privileged like yeah both of these movies take place in the same kind of place so they both are between new york and connecticut yeah um like it, within like spitting distance of each other. each other yeah and so like the ice storm takes place in Connecticut and Tobey Maguire is in New York, whereas AB goes down, takes place in New York and he goes back home to Connecticut. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's the same parallel, it, parallel, it's the same parallel. And yeah, the time periods are what, 30 years apart or whatever. But same story, same themes, same yeah. misogyny, same drug abuse, same addiction, mm-hmm. same mental health issues, same parental estrangement. Or yeah. parental awkwardness or sexual and, impropriety mm-hmm. there was, was it was all the same topics and so yeah. i'm glad to see in 30 years and then additionally another 20 or 30 years on top of that still no progress so no. good job guys 60 We're years of not yes. moving the needle even <laughs> a little bit yeah i mean watching both of these movies i thought maybe i was being slightly prudish but to be honest like how they treat sex not just as in like well yes as in women are objects and that's what they're good for um and also the fact that they also make the women in it not they're not sexually liberated they're just like i'm gonna play the game to like satisfy the men you're just like you're not you're not doing anything you they're know they're not entirely formed figures yeah their their only role really is like sexual availability to the men mm-hmm. or or the relationship is sex but then like they don't have a relationship at all yeah (laughs) outside of that (laughs) well i mean you can start with the ice storm because like you have a married couple yeah um the husband doesn't talk to her at all like uh kevin klein doesn't really talk to joan allen and then but then the only time you see them even remotely trying to communicate badly is when there's some idea of sex involved in there and then he's having an affair with Sigourney Weaver and she's just like we're we're having an affair I already have a husband don't talk to me like yeah you know yeah she doesn't even want to engage with him outside of like the the deed exactly and so so I'm like, and so at the end of the movie you understand why she doesn't feel great about herself because I don't know. She's like, I have been just letting myself be used and I'm sick of it and I don't know what to do about it. But at Who, the same Joan time, or Sigourney or Sigourney, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, they didn't flush out her character enough for her to be like, you know, she should be liberated. She should be whatever. She can do anything with her body that she wants to. It's more just like a shame. And you're just like, no, making it shameful doesn't make it better like no well, they don't just do that to her they do that to christina ricci as well right like mm-hmm. you see i never read the original book that this one is based off of uh the ice storm is based off but i was just kind of really struck with how shameful they made all the women roles right like yeah. christina ricci is like a sexually uh repressed and rebellious like teenager but like in in weird aggressive ways mm-hmm. and then like 
Uh, and then they did the same thing to Joan Allen. Like she, at the end, like she hooks up with Sigourney Weaver's husband. So it was like a, a switcheroo, but like she like practically assaults the guy. And that was really a weird interaction. And I was just like, why would you be showing like these domesticated women? And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they're just like, they have all the control like it just seemed like such a the placement of these women and their actions were just so out of context with the reality of women no i i absolutely agree with you uh the thing is so on the dvd they had they had a featurette it was like five minutes long and it's just talking to the cast and talking to the director ang lee and they were talking about how so this takes place during the Watergate scandal um, and stuff at the White House and during like, you know, the sexual liberation is finally starting to happen and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's and, this is more like second wave feminism, right? Because it's the 70s, right? It's the 70s. Yeah. And so one of the things they were saying in that was it was supposed to reflect um, a sexual awakening in the women and how how the families are trying to deal with a change in domestic life. Uh, like it's not going to be the same as in the 50s. It's going to be it's going to be different now. And I was just like, I don't think that's what this movie shows. Yeah, I don't see that at all. <laughs> no, no. I just see like very unhappy people doing miserable, disastrous things that blow up relationships and kills people like and kills people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much did you uh, I had a pretty hearty chuckle, though. So the opening scene of this movie is uh, Toby McGuire reading the Fantastic Four and like monologuing about yeah. it. And I was just like, are you allowed to talk about this? Did this lead you to Spider-Man? <laughs> was this your entree into the comic book genre? Maybe. Was this movie? That seems unfair to me. <laughs> also, my thing is, too, is that, like, all of the stuff he says about the Fantastic Four, trying to relate it to, like, yes, they're a family. I agree with that part of it. But all of the stuff he says about family and how family is your weakness and your strength and blah, blah, yeah. blah. None of that is reflected in this movie. So no. it really frustrated me. Like, why it, it, are you saying a, this? It's why very tangential. Like, it's not at all related to the content. Of the, but I, it just seems like a really, like, sloppy way to like start and end the movie because it's the only time he has these like this monologue bit or even interior dialogue like we don't hear interior dialogue from any other character at any other point from the movie except for the beginning of the end with the toby mcguire bit so it's yeah. kind of like this feels like lazy yeah <laughs> is like this lazy it was kind of like they didn't know where to start so we're like how about we do this because <laughs> you know he's on a train or whatever <laughs> and and that's the thing too like you know he's at like uh like a special rich kid school in the city but it doesn't at no other point do you realize like he's like a bookworm or a nerd or whatever he doesn't or anything else about his life he doesn't interact on that level. Like even the part in the class, when you meet Libets again, everybody says it. What's up with that name? I don't get it either. Um, every like the only person that shows that they might be a book person is her. But you don't actually get him interacting on any kind of intellectual level at any point. No. And you're just like, 
so wait where does this fantastic four thing come from why was this necessary like even if he was just like on the train staring out the window he's like family is difficult it would make more sense than the relation to the fantastic four comic book it was just i think it was just a very kind of i think as we mature and are more sophisticated movie watchers like yeah we could definitely look like oh that's kind of a rookie move right there like in the script writing for that part i don't i don't know who wrote the screenplay for this but yeah it was like there was some sloppy bits and i think the, <laughs> the beginning and the end i did i'm glad you mentioned angley though because uh i do appreciate so i see like where the indiness of the movie comes in with the soundtrack because angley and angley style like infuses that like chinese flute vibes yeah, all over <laughs> well, it all over this thing and so it's just so glare and i love that because it's just everything else about the movie is so white but then to have like this like pan flute action every so often and you and it is very like reminiscent of like a kung fu movie so i somewhat every time i heard it i was like there's gonna be a fight (laughs) or like i expected (laughs) it i never got one but yeah i was expect i was fully expecting like crouching tiger hidden dragon action to happen yeah. like i was i was ready for it some of those branches just bend and they run along them you know yeah go at well, each other may, i thought maybe at the end with elijah wood there like yeah he could have saved himself no mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like oh no and then he like jumps away or something I don't know. <laughs> can uh, we talk about that part or is it are we just jumping the gun <laughs> no we can talk about that part because that part kind of confuses me and is also kind of unnecessary and it's also kind of mean um like like i haven't read the book i don't know if you've read the book did you read the book no no i know i don't know like with anything sometimes things are lost in translation um and the screenwriter for this is james um shumas shumas s s c h a m u s Shimas? I don't know. Um, and he's done, oh, he actually produced Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Look at that. <laughs> and Brokeback Mountain and The Ice Storm and everything. Okay. Oh, let's, so he's like Angley's buddy. Yeah. Let's see. What has he written? So he did the screen for, for Ice Storm and he did the screenplay for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So, and the screenplay for Hulk, the <laughs> Angley one. So, yeah, of course, they, of course. they work together and that is fine um oh eat drink man woman there's another one uh yeah anyways i'm going off on a tangent um but like i really highly think there's something lost in transition between the book and the film because you do miss that internal dialogue. You don't understand the motivations of like Elijah Wood. You don't understand the motivations of like Christina Ricci. Or maybe it's the fact that this is a relatively short movie. It's under two hours and they don't spend enough time with the kids, even though the kids are clearly a very big part of what makes this story, this story. And it doesn't, and but the bigger issue, quite frankly, than mm-hmm. like the parents' chosen shenanigans. Yeah. Um, the kids are like have like have real difficulty and like real like future implications for their lives, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, concerning things. Yeah. Well, their parents won't talk to them about 
issues. Like there's that one scene where um, Klein tries to talk to Tobey Maguire's character about sex and he literally can't say the word. Oh, he uh, says, don't mess up the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Just like, don't no. Don't make the sheets no. dirty. I'm like, oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> wash the sheets. <laughs> if you're doing it right, you're going to mess up the sheets. Oh, no, he even says Just linens. Don't get linen? it on the linens. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> when you enter the boudoir... <laughs> <laughs> through the foyer <laughs> remember not to expel all the linens yeah <laughs> look i broke his shit i got sheets man no linens over here sheets <laughs> it's like it's like 25 count sheets okay it's fine it's fine um, it's like 400 count egyptian cotton linens oh, linens <laughs> My apartment isn't big enough for a linen closet. So. <laughs> I always like to make, not that we have like people over in our houses anymore, but I, I do remember a time where if I did have friends over and they did comment on the the quality or cleanliness of my apartment, I would just always say, oh, I got the worst maid ever. She's the worst. <laughs> I'm going to fire her. I don't have one, but I just always thought it was funny because it was like that, like to some people, like that seems like an appropriate response, right? Yeah. Like your place is a mess. I'm like, oh, my maid. Yeah, I get it. Like, <laughs> it's true. People think like that. Some people, and I feel like those people are in this movie. Yes. Oh, those are definitely the people. In this movie. Those are the people in this movie. Um, no, I think those are the people in the HB goes down because in in the ice storm, they are stay-at-home mothers who... Oh, but remember Sigourney Weaver, like her kids are doing their homework. She, if this was like a real mom, like uh, as a working mother, <laughs> she would be like, and lived in that giant ass house, she would be racing around, like folding laundry or, you know, making dinner or something. No, no, no. She's lounging on her bed, reading a magazine. And I'm like, <laughs> when in the last 10 years have I had a moment like that? I can't even remember. And I was like, no, that woman has help. Like, yeah. We just, we just haven't seen the mage, but she exists. Yeah. Oh, that's, I feel like that's like the unspoken rule. And in, in like these, in almost every movie is like, don't show the working help. Uh, although they did show in Igby goes down, they showed the help. Remember? Because the mom that's, was sitting on the maid. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> but was it was only, be, only because was it was fun. portraying her, uh, one of like the protagonist's mother's aggression that mm. they even showed the maids. Otherwise it didn't serve a yeah. purpose. Well, they can't show that kind of aggression to people on her level that's that's social suicide obviously you know (laughs) impossible how dare you represent more than one socioeconomic class in a single film (laughs) that's just craziness yeah gross well that's the thing with the ice storm too like that town is so like like everybody's apparently on the same level and nobody's below them nobody's above Well, they don't even show like I'm sure they go to the grocery store and I'm sure they go to the checkout counter, but they're not even showing those people. Right. Like they show who they show the one pastor guy. Yeah. And then then they show the the pharmacy. They show the the pharmacy. Oh, yes. And but she was just stealing and then leaving. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it was like and then it's all interiors of houses and dinner parties of these like 
upper class people. So it's, yeah, it's, you don't really get to experience like the whole community, just very select portions of it. Well, and yeah. And I think that is just so bland. Bland is the word I want to use. It makes it bland. I found like, I found the whole, I found the people, I found the city, I found the clothes they wore. Everything was bland. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, why, why is this the aesthetic, the the blandness? Like, honestly, I was looking for the excitement as well. Like, which is why I was anticipating, I think the Kung Fu sequences that never came. Uh But it was, it was just like, no, there has to be something more than this. Like, they're just not, but I think they really just were trying to like show a mirror up to the reality of like, the times maybe and i guess it was based on a real ice storm so i wonder if like maybe a kid really did die in an ice storm or who knows who knows exactly right um yeah i don't i i really don't know like i have so little notes on this movie because i sat there watching it just trying to figure out like what are they doing why are they doing that what is going on what's he doing over there what is she doing? I don't understand. How come everybody's smoking so much? Oh, yeah, it's yes. the 70s. I was like, okay, fine. You know, like, that's all I, I was just like, I just had all these random questions in my brain that I just oh, couldn't yeah. articulate, like, properly by the time I finished watching it. Well, I did. Um, uh, you mentioned smoking. And uh, I did immediately notice Toby Maguire's uh roommate in the movie because uh i think his name is david david something oh crumholtz i wrote it down yeah because he plays that like stereotypical jewish stoner roommate role like more than once in his career uh yeah he was in harold and kumar go to white castle yeah we know both the harold and kumars (laughs) well yes both of them And uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. I was like, oh man, that's unfortunate. Like this is probably one of your earliest acting roles. And then you have to like do this one more than once. (laughs) But I guess it got him jobs. So yeah, the only difference between this one is that like he was like, a Jewish, a Jewish stoner kid, but this one he got the ladies. Where and everything else, he's so he's so stoned all the time. He doesn't get the ladies. So yeah, I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. So there's a the, at least there was Jewish characters in both the movies. So there's the diversity. <laughs> yeah, there's your diversity. That's all I mean. <laughs> I actively was like looking in like backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, there are literally no, there's no Asian people. There's no black. Well, people. the director. Well, the director, I guess, in the whoever played the flute, possibly for the music. Maybe. We don't even know. We don't even know. Um, but yeah, there's so little diversity in all of these. Um, and it's just it confuses me. But I don't know if that has to do with like the characters or the setting. But like if you can like you have you have a film that takes place partially in New York. You're gonna they've been full of different colors since For a long time. Forever. Exactly. Right. I understand in your Connecticut house and you're with your family, sure. Um, you're not gonna let those riffraff in there. Fine. But come on. Please. <laughs> Just get a couple of extras to sprinkle around in the back. Try a little harder. Try harder. Like, or also like, I, I think we're at the point now that we're kind of 
like so so you're suffering if you're a privileged like male person who's like basically winning and everything else in life you've got the great job you have a family you have stability you have a home and you have problems but so what like why do i care <laughs> right yeah. like i have problems <laughs> my problems are probably bigger than your problems yeah. <laughs> like i like who cares about like these were all self-made problems too like i think i was just waiting for the wives in uh, the ice storm to be like show their assertiveness and their dominance to be like i don't want to be your housewife anymore this is boring i'm leaving like yeah. i was like waiting for that moment i was like oh for sure she's about to crack like well i think <laughs> I think the Joan Allen character, she tried to do that, you know, like when she saw her daughter and then she's like, I'm going to go for a bike ride, too. And then for some reason, she's also a klepto like her daughter. And that's where she gets it from. I don't understand that whole part. Um, but then she also is like dared at the party, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, yeah, forced by her husband, husband. really. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he dragged her there. Didn't know what it was. Whatever. That's a lot. Oh, no, he knew what it was. Yeah. He knew. But then and she, she had to just play like, along. Yeah. And then she was just like, no, no, we're going to do this because I know for a fact you're cheating on me with the neighbor. So I'm going to figure out a way to cheat on you. And essentially, and I'm like, that's not really like asserting dominance that's yeah. more just caving to petty bickering like it's just you're just like uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't the liberation moment that i wanted for her <laughs> actually yeah. when um when i first watched this movie or like i when so i'm happy to report this movie passed the bechdel test mm. because joan allen and sigourney weaver have a conversation around plates <laughs> she's like don't touch my plate like <laughs> while they're doing their domestic her domestic chores yeah yes. yeah but I was I was happy for that conversation uh, only because I thought it showed sexual tension between them. And I was just like, oh, are these ladies going to get together? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. now that should have been the twist. That yeah. would have been way better. I just like wanted something like the actions weren't motivated by men. Their actions were motivated by their own wants or desires or agency. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like, who cares like people other people could have their kevin klein can have his storyline too but yeah. like let's also give good storylines to the ladies yeah well the thing too at the end of the movie when he breaks down in the car and everybody has to comfort him and you're just like but what about your wife yeah she's been through a whole lot of bullshit too like yeah yeah you know i mean well, like <laughs> I find this it whole time this whole time she's putting up with your bullshit and now you're the one who's gonna crack sure and like, whatever and are you even gonna apologize now because i think you realize that you might need to but nope that's no. not the realization <laughs> that's not that's not gonna happen but I, I also find it really interesting how they make uh toby mcguire's character like a focus like starting and ending with him and his storyline is the lamest most yes. pointless storyline like he just doesn't do anything oh, you yeah. know and literally all he does he's like he pines about this girl then he goes to goes to her place in the city and she passes out in his lap and he he spends a lot of time going should i do something when she's passed out or shouldn't i do something when she's passed out i'm not gonna do it like it took her took them way too long 
to be yeah. like, I'm going to pick her up and be a good oh, yeah. person. Katie and Holmes. It was Katie Holmes. It was Katie Holmes. Yes. <laughs> um, that scene took way too long, personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was torture. Yeah. <laughs> it was and just then, like, if it, if it hadn't have gone the way it had have gone, I probably wouldn't have watched the rest of the movie, honestly. I'd be like, and, I'm out. And Goodbye. To, and to be honest, if that did happen, because I did not remember any of it. So I was just yeah. like, oh, God, it better not happen. Oh, please don't. Do- no. And then yeah, it didn't. It was I was like, like okay, on the edge, and that that was torturous because you're just like, I don't want to see this. I didn't anticipate this as being a part of the movie, and there's already been so many other violations towards women that I'm not happy about. Like yeah. that would have been icing on the cake. Like, nope, no more of this. Goodbye. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, how how uncomfortable with you with the level of sexualization they did to Christina Ricci in this movie? Like, I was so uncomfortable there was a long like held close-up screenshot of her ass crack that was entirely unnecessary if she was depicting a 14 year old girl like mm-hmm. even if it was through the boy like a boy's, a boy's perspective yeah. yeah pov of like looking over the shoulder of the forbidding glance but why the hell did that camera need to stay there for so long like we know we get what he was doing like i don't need a close-up shot of that ever especially when it's depicting an underage woman like yeah. <laughs> that's not legal even <laughs> like, what the hell well, was one unnecessary th- yeah one thing i found about the movie too is that like they they the kids are not portrayed as kids their age like no until later on when you're just like oh he's only like Tommy wire is playing a 16 year old christina ricci is playing a 13 year old whose birthday is coming up soon and she'll be yeah. 14 yeah and you're just like no you guys come across as like 17 yeah yeah, like way older right i'm not saying i'm not saying that's okay the way they sexualize her on at any age but they're but their um ages were specifically referenced so like that's such a shitty thing to be like no this is an underage person but we're still gonna make you do all this weird sex stuff anyways like screw (laughs) you yeah (laughs) like and it was just it was just kind of like weird and whatever and like i know women come into their sexuality and she's she's sort of her character is sort of being portrayed as owning her sexuality but really it comes across as she's kind of a sexual deviant and nobody's loving her and you're just like this is this has crossed a line that's not right yeah well yeah she's perpetrating crimes onto other children like so she's like very much an aggressor and a bully Uh um and in need of like serious mental health intervention and and like and and i guess like they wanted to show the extreme because they wanted to show the extreme reaction of kevin klein then having to address it with her which he says something like really stupid like uh i can't even remember she's wearing a nixon mask and she's managed to convince the guy to like get on top of her yeah uh and he just says something like that's not appropriate or something like that. And then he carries her home like a little girl. girl. Yeah. And I was just like, why? <laughs> why is this depiction? Like, I can understand like those are maybe it's supposed to be reflective of a real life relationship and like how the father can't communicate with the daughter. But it's just like, 
it's perverse and weird. It goes in unnecessary weird places. Yeah. Well, the thing I got from it is the reason why he's so mad as all parents are when their kids finally, you know, find sex or whatever, whether they're boy or girl, is that, oh no, my baby's growing up. And I think that's supposed to be the juxtaposition be like, she's not old enough. She's still my baby, essentially. Yeah, and that's yeah. how he wants it to be. But both of her parents drop the ball on just talking to their kids, like both yeah. of their kids. Yeah. Like you just need to have a discussion with them. She's clearly confused and clearly wants to find out things. And is clearly just doing stuff because that's what you're supposed to do. Or that's what I feel like. So I'm just going to do whatever, but you can't do whatever when somebody else has to be involved in it. You have to take responsibility. Yeah. And if the parents don't be like, no, you know, this is what sex is. This is what you're feeling. This is why you're feeling this, you know, but you have to make sure the other person's okay with it, whether they're a boy or a girl and you can yeah. do this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they just need to have a discussion and they just, they can't, they can't even talk to other adults, let alone yeah. their kids, right? The, the most they can, the best that they can do is when you have your nightly emissions, <laughs> walk through the foyer, past the corridor <laughs> and aim away from the linens <laughs> no crusty linens for you yes <laughs> the maid only comes once a week <laughs> she doesn't get any screen time in this movie <laughs> no she doesn't <laughs> uh yeah yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I'm really happy it wasn't just me who's just like, what is this even about? Like, what is this movie? Why are the men so terrible to women? I don't know. <laughs> Why do we have to suffer through a prolonged ass crack shot for Christina Ricci when she's a kid? Like, yeah. I didn't, that wasn't cool. Why does this Elijah like, Wood have to randomly get electrocuted at the end yeah, of the movie? And not only that, he he gets electrocuted in the, the meanest way because like he sees and knows what's going to happen to him. Before mm-hmm. he gets electrocuted, I was like, why wouldn't if you're going to portray an accident, make it an accident like but he's up until that moment of like getting electrocuted, doing death defying stunts like he's jumping on the um, the, the diving, diving board, board of mm-hmm. the pool that's like icy and frozen. So like he could have very well fallen and died. And like mm-hmm. and even earlier in the movie, he's depicted like standing on the roof, looking into the uh, the window and the roof. And then he's just like, why is your kid in the roof mm-hmm. when you're hosting a dinner party? Like, do you have any? <laughs> Are you so focused on having sex with your neighbors that you can't <laughs> rationalize where your children are in that moment? yeah 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 that scene that also 70s. that scene also really confused me i was just like why why are they up there what's going on the dinner party can't be that interesting no remember they got kicked out because one of them spilt the wine when they were acting as the waiters uh, so yeah. first they put the, the children in like an unpaid working position at their dinner party by being like the wait staff and when they do a shitty job they kick them outside and like put them on the roof <laughs> these are bad parents <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it is don't be like these people be better parents that's <laughs> or maybe that maybe this is just a conclusion to prove why our generation is so messed up because you know this is where our parents came from so good well, yeah luck. my my 
version of parental uh i don't know not in every aspect like i don't think my my parents weren't going to dinner parties and weren't into smoking but like they're pretty conservative and everything else like you couldn't talk about politics like when christina does the grace for thanksgiving and she's just like yeah i just want to acknowledge all the terrible things that happened to aboriginal people and we're gonna stuff our face to that and i was just like yeah yeah like i i identified with that moment highly and then the dad goes to like kind of crush her spirit a little bit and just puts her down and saying it's just funny like he doesn't even want to talk about it he can't even acknowledge the terrible like he won't engage with her on political conversations even though she's highly political Uh like he won't engage with her on any kind of like real world topic and so like you you see what that's why she's lashing out right yeah (laughs) first i think it's because she just wants some attention to be honest because the mother seems to be lost in her own head because she's in a shit relationship she has no job she's not living her best life and so she's not talking to her daughter the father's just like you're a woman now that's woman things (laughs) not talking to her there and i think she's doing a lot of these things she may be political in politics that's fine but i think some of the stuff she does is just to get some attention she just needs somebody to pay attention to her for a little while and nobody's taking her on but also it's legitimately weird and that's probably where i identify with christina ricci is like to be living in a household where like some serious like big world events are happening and your parents won't even talk to you about it right like i i remember in the 80s uh in yeah uh like learning about like the aids crisis and like and like wanting to talk about that with my parents and like let's talk about this. Like people are dying and like, we can't talk about that with you. Yeah. And I, I, of course I was like a kid at the time, but like, I think that, yeah, you should engage with kids. If they like, um, I like, yeah, you and I, we both went to the museum or the AGO recently and we went to see the um, exhibit that featured like the shoes about the missing and killed indigenous children's at residential schools. And um, my daughter had questions about that. And yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it. We answered her questions. And yeah. And the thing is, people are just like, oh, we have to protect kids. Yeah, you do. But if a kid has a question, there's nothing wrong with answering it. It's not like they're just going to they they just want to know like that's they're in a curious time in their life they just need information they want information they they want to know they want to be able to form opinions based on knowledge and and things that are out there and the people they trust the most is their parents so they want you to be like tell me about source yeah answer the goddamn questions yeah like even today she had a question for me about um there was a uh, she heard about the shooting at Yorkdale Mall and she was had questions like, what do you mean there's a shooting? Was anybody hurt? Like what was what was happening? And like to just give her some of those details, I think like kids are trying to understand the world too, right? Like they don't want to be fearful of the unknown, but they also need to know all details about the world that they're living in. And and like gun violence is a reality. Like I don't think that's I'm not imposing that on her. That's just something in her world that she's curious about. So like, I'd rather have a conversation with her about that than her going to YouTube and just typing up gun violence, you know, like, and then watching a bunch of stuff. Yeah. 
Nightmares. you know watching like a bunch of people get shot in the face like no that's yeah. that's not yeah. helping the situation that's just putting no. well that's like that's like people. warping people's minds or yeah like yeah fear-mongering mm-hmm. misinformation like it's the 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 biggest threat in our modern society as yeah. you see with vaccine rollout is uh yeah misinformation and yeah. the fear it it culminates in our society yeah Yeah. it does it does and i just think it's it's one of those things where uh like people just need to learn to to talk to kids right like i remember there's this whole thing about um remember a couple years ago they were revamping the sex ed curriculum and stuff and then you know people are all angry they're like well what am i gonna tell tell my kids about like gay people i'm like tell them they're gay people what that's not a that's not a question they're like yeah but how do i explain that but like sometimes a man loves a man sometimes a woman loves a woman gonna well what about what about what what about those trans people i'm like what is the big deal just tell them what trans people are that that (laughs) they just you know it's it's more about a kids aren't unwilling to accept that information if it's presented to them in an unbiased way right like Like if you just present facts to them they'll be like oh okay and then they'll go back and play outside but if you freak them out about it or if you're making a secret then they yeah. get more fixated or more curious about something. And then they go find information the wrong way that either screws them up more yeah. or doesn't answer any other questions. So, yeah. you know, just answer the question as best as you can. If you're in the fortunate position to be a trusted adult to any child, then just find a way to bring, to connect with them on the topic. Like that's yeah. all people need to do. Yeah. <laughs> But you can even say to them, be like, you know what? I don't know. I'll find out for you. You can even or, say things. Yeah, like that. we can research that together. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, and and I think like the ice storm here is one of those films that are like, oh, this this is how we let kids down in the 70s. Gotcha. Or it's just like it shows that. that like parental detachment and just kind of like, yeah, the world is really stratified into like there's an adult world and a child world. The child world is highly unregulated and um, prone to like problematic things even the drug use and the uh like a pretty young age and like Mm -hmm. sexual weird sex stuff is pretty young too it's just like oh this is avoidable this This is all avoidable yeah yeah and that's if they have sex ed in schools that helps as well yeah um just just somebody needs to be like there needs to be something broaching the kid world and the adult world you can't keep them separate because all of a sudden you're gonna have a whole bunch of kids who are suddenly adults who can't function which we've already seen that happen oh yeah so like and and this is and this is one of the biggest problems that we're having is that you have all of these kids that are becoming adults but they can't handle the adult world they're like i don't know how to make toast you're just like really toast like i'm not asking you to make a four course meal just make yourself breakfast can't do it you know i don't know how to pay a bill what do you mean you don't know how to pay a bill you know it's i i don't know i don't know how to no everybody knows how to shop online now that's fine 
Um, I don't know, but like, you know what I mean, right? There's, there's so many people who are, they're out of college or they're just going to college or out of their parents' house. And they're just like, how do I function? They have no idea. And it's because of stuff like this. It's just parents not teaching or interacting or, or just taking interest. Like, I, I know there's problem kids. I know sometimes it's not the parents' fault. I'm not blaming parents for everything. I'm just saying if you don't do what people did in this movie, then you're probably fine. <laughs> Your kid might be alive yes. through the ice at the end of the ice storm. <laughs> they won't get electrically uh, accidentally electrocuted after doing a bunch of death defying stunts. stunts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like he's just like fully like sliding in the middle yeah. of the road. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like, why is it at night? <laughs> <laughs> Lying down on the road at nighttime, like you have a death wish. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> He kind of gets it, but, you know, I must admit that scene was kind of hard, though. It really was kind of hard. But at the same time, I don't think I was connected enough to the character. Because yeah, he was he very detached. Like, he had issues as well, and they, mm-hmm. and they never, like really got resolved or even acknowledged by anyone yeah like they 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 made a couple of references that he's a pothead but in no way do they indicate that he does any kind of drugs and i think he's just kind of a space case right yeah just he doesn't know like he seems very much like someone potentially on the spectrum right like he analyzes his own information differently like he doesn't uh, notice certain details, but notices other things very acutely. Mm-hmm. Like even when his dad wanders back from his business trip, and he's like, "I didn't even know you were gone." Like he, yeah. like he's not connected to like his immediate reality. Like he has some processing issues. Yeah, yeah. And they they never clarify any of it. They never go deeper into it. They don't really build on the character either. Yeah. Um, except there are certain points with like Christina Ricci because they're kind of dating. dating. Kind I, I don't I, like I want to put lots of quotation marks around that because it's really unclear what is going on on that side. And but at the same time, when they're together by themselves, it's he's a pervy teenage boy. Yeah. But outside of that, he's a space case and he's zoned out all the time. And you're just like, no, no, no. You either have to be kind of spacey all the time or never like it like you have to figure out what your character actually is and then we can go from there but it's just not clarified it's just not nobody's character is very clear within this movie if they have a character at all (laughs) they're trying to get a lot in in a little amount of time and i think like it could have done with some better editing for sure like it's almost like you had to pick one story or the other in this movie like it does come together in the end mm-hmm. like in terms of like because basically it's the intertwining of these two families and now both parents have sw- swapped and now and the all the kids were kind of in related into each other's business and so but it's just very weird so it's like what's the takeaway like are just all of these like 
the parents just feel terrible now because their kid has died. And then this other family is left with the guilt because of their sexual depravity. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Like it wasn't their sexual depravity that like killed the son. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's one of those things where you all of a sudden correlate two things and you're just like, now everything is ruined. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Hope one of them moves soon. No, <laughs> seriously. Just get away from each other, guys. Just yes. get just the hell away, away from just, each other. Yeah. Stop drinking so much, too. Honestly, <laughs> like there was so much drinking. Yeah. So yeah. much drinking. Yeah. I never understood. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. But like as an adult. Wait am i an adult yeah i'm adult-ish whatever uh on paper i'm an adult how i feel about being an adult is very different but yeah it's just like at no point in time does anybody drink water or juice or anything every time they sit anywhere it's alcohol and i'm just like you know you're gonna die if only you only drink alcohol all the time or you'll be put into some sort of institution because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they do kind of show that with Katie Holmes, who takes, I think it's the Quaaludes, and then she, like, takes, or she's drinking on top of that, which is why she passes Beer. out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, but aside, and then maybe Kevin Klein at the end is, like, too sick to participate in the swing action because he's <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> he gets really drunk. <laughs> well, it, isn't it because he thought uh he would be going home with sigourney weaver and she purposely probably. picked somebody he's probably else's heartbroken really but he made the excuse of oh i need the bathroom yeah <laughs> well nobody wants him because he's a waste of time <laughs> he's like, boring he's so boring yeah he's boring he's uninteresting he's uninterested and yeah. he's very selfish and no wonder like the person you're having an affair with doesn't want to talk to you because all you do is bring her problems and <laughs> your wife doesn't want you because you don't want to talk to her about anything besides sexual relations <laughs> and she's like i'm over it so just go away bye i'm yeah. so glad that uh, i hadn't seen this movie earlier than I did because I um when I was a teenager I loved Kevin Klein so much because he did uh, a a film of like the Pirates of Penzance the Rogers and Hammerstein uh operetta uh and he was the pirate king so like for many years that was the vision of Kevin Klein in my head was the pirate king and like (laughs) this badass musical (laughs) (laughs) who's like very witty and clever and so like and he is not he has zero sex appeal in this movie. Absolutely He's zero. So boring. Absolutely and like zero. Buttoned up and just treats women horribly, but feels mm. so entitled in his opinion. Like it bothered me to no end that like he's his wife is making him dinner. Ew, number one. <laughs> Make your own goddamn sandwich, Kevin Klein. Um, and then like 
or like she's trying to host the dinner party or something. So she's running around like a maniac. He's just pouring himself drinks. Like that's like the only thing he's going to do to help himself. And he goes to sit back down. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? Like, this is your dinner party too. Why aren't you working? Like, no, why? but that's, that's the woman's job though. No, not that's anymore. That's job. not acceptable. That no. is not acceptable. <laughs> oh no, I agree with you. But that was the mentality for a very long time. You're in the house. Anything that's domestic unless it's barbecuing or mixing drinks <laughs> that's the woman's job goodness no that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately i'll never know such uh pleasures from that socioeconomic bracket <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah you and me both all right yeah no i'm not i wasn't down for any of it nope. like there was so much of the movie where i was just like is this just a rich people thing okay Truthfully, can i tell you the most unbelievable part of this movie sure. the part i did it the part that like took away the fantasy for me so when they're at the the party the dinner party that they're doing the keys and the bowl thing and uh they're announcing oh this person and this person um there's a mo so after each person gets their key selected they leave and i was like never in a million years everyone would stay until the very end to see who got whose keys mm. they weren't gonna that's like the best part of the that's the <laughs> like best part yeah. like if you're going to a key party like ill <laughs> well i mean that's your choice that's never gonna be my choice but that's gonna be your choice that's yeah. fine do whatever you want but you want to know who left <laughs> yeah. also in that same scene a thing that made me very sad was there was one quote-unquote fat woman Yes. And as soon as she picked the key, all of the guys were like groaning. And the guy yeah. whose key she picked was just at first he was trying to hide it. And then he was like, oh, it's me. And everybody was yeah. just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> why? And honestly, of all the women participating in this, she looked like the only one that was like raring to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. like everyone else was like, I feel coerced and weird. But this one woman was like, yes, hell yes, I'm owning this. We are doing Sign it. Me up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like I I don't know. Honestly, like when which partner would you prefer? The one that's all tentative and hesitant or the one that's like, yes, we are doing this. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she could be a very lovely person who is, you know, DTF, okay? Right. She's clearly She's down DTF. to clown. Down yeah. to clown. So I mean, like, honestly, what does it even matter what she looks like anyways? Like, you're going into a dark bedroom, like, get over yourself. Why do you <laughs> think you're the pick of the litter yourself sir yeah what if we looked at you and was like mm, i'm so sorry honey oh like no no um but yeah like i think that just showed another typical level of classism where you're like you don't fit into the mold therefore yeah. or like yeah ostracized on some level or microaggressed against in some way I just watched, uh, it was a really terrible movie uh, with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. I think it was like a remake, The Hustlers. Oh, yeah. It's a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, except with ladies. Exactly. I was so entirely disappointed by that movie with how many fat jokes they managed to squeeze in there. And I was just like, 
this lady is badass like actor can you not leave her the fuck alone like even she had to make fat jokes about herself in that movie and i was just like no. oh i could i just felt bad like why why wouldn't you be allowed to say like you know what this is a really shitty line and i think we can come up with a better one in fact i've written a couple here for yeah. your consideration like well, oh, that just made me so mad that well, that had to be included in that movie yeah that's one of the reasons why i really like um melissa mccarthy movies lately especially like spy which is like a oh, comedy spy. spy movie so funny so good so funny but the thing is there's like i think there's like one fat joke in it where somebody says that her meanly and yeah. she kicks their ass right yeah she does <laughs> she never she never self-deprecates about her body like she doesn't think she's good enough at her job and all that kind of stuff but she never self-doubt like, is one thing, thing. but like yeah. blatantly like body shaming yourself in the movie yeah. like that's entirely different yeah and she never does it nobody holds it against her like lots of people show up and they're like you're gonna fight me and she fights them fine um but what's but that's one of the things i really liked about it where her size wasn't the Ever joke on the table for the it's, topic yeah it, no yeah you're just like oh no she's a spy and the thing that's funny about it is that she's doubtful about her ability to spy yeah that's yeah. the joke it's yeah. not like I'm a fat person who spies. No. Oh, me so clumsy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, and I be, loved yeah. that about it. I loved that about it. No, it was awesome. I did like spy a lot. Mm-hmm. It I was, was really funny. I, I was so surprised. I liked that movie as much as it. Like I took, it took me forever to watch it. And finally it was all one day. I was like, fine, I'll have a look. And I just laughed and enjoyed it. And I was like, oh my that's, gosh, Jason that's how Statham. How funny. How funny is he in that movie he is so funny i only want to see him in comedic roles from now on like he is so funny he's got comedic timing and like to be honest i am not a big fan of the fast and furious movies but hobbs and shaw him and um the rock their banter and their humor it just it's so good it's glorious um yeah i loved it until the last sequence and i was just like no you've gone too far this is this is full-on fast and furious level i can't do this anymore (laughs) but maybe i'll watch it i haven't watched it yet (laughs) yeah i mean it's 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 good cheesy action comedy with like you know buddy cop banter but they hate each other so it's it's even funnier on that level um but yes are are there any ladies um yeah there's that girl with that face who does that thing (laughs) <laughs> um i've seen olivia munn no no not her <laughs> no it's a white lady okay um oh, she was in Too many to guess <laughs> so many she was also in um a mission at the last mission impossible movie as well um I definitely didn't watch that that was like three hours <laughs> i thoroughly enjoyed it to be oh honest. did you yeah oh <laughs> is it worth the three hours i just like honestly like getting through this the ice storm for me was like an exercise in like ultimate self-control because honestly i'm asleep 10 minutes into anything <laughs> i try to watch everything i try to watch like 10 yeah. minutes i'm done so like this movie had like a lot of like slow panning mon like s- pondering moments mm-hmm. with the pan flute and i was just like oh is this sleepy time i think it's <laughs> sleepy time and i was like no i'm committing to watching this movie yeah. maybe there's a fight coming up <laughs> well 
<laughs> I mean, the, it's all Ang Lee signature stuff that's in there, you know, yeah. that's, oh yeah. But just uh, honestly, North Americanized my, kind of thing. My, my honest opinion is if you're going to watch an Ang Lee movie, watch any other movie, but this one. <laughs> I will agree with that. Oh my God. Any yes. other one would be better than this one. Not because it's a bad movie, just because it's like the topic is hard to relate as a woman in 2021. Yeah. Right? And like, also you're not upper class in Connecticut and stuff. And uh, and the world's problems are bigger than the rich white people's problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's that the we, we've moved on. We've we've we're, we're doing other things now. <laughs> I think um, we all agree. <laughs> But the other thing we're doing is we're going to continue talking about those rich white people problems right. with Igby Goes Down right. because fucking hell, man. Like, more white people problems. It's <laughs> so many more white people problems. Like, I... Uh, uh, I don't know. At least more stuff happens in this movie. At, at least I can say that. stuff. More happens. stuff happens in this movie? I think more things happen in this movie than than in the ice storm. I mean, I think I think there's more characters in the ice storm, which is why a lot of stuff doesn't happen because they spend too much time jumping between the characters. Yeah, but like I don't think very much happens in it because down. <laughs> I don't know, man. Can I tell you my favorite? Uh, I think I like was IMDBing it just to make sure, like, oh, is this the movie that she wants me to watch? And I scroll down to read the first review on IMDb page, and it says, <laughs> it says, Catcher in the Rye in a Harry Potter scarf. <laughs> That's about right. That's about right, actually. Oh my God. I didn't even think about it. Like, first of all, Catcher, I fucking hate Catcher in the Rye. I don't oh, know. Yeah. And this so is much. like, this is, I feel like, like this is like the director who also wrote this. This was like him trying to do Catcher in the Rye. Like, it feels like that. Like, it 100% is like, yeah, this is my, like, this is my debut film and I'm going to do like my JD Salinger moment. Um, and like, uh, hold on. I'm just going to say this. The first trivia note is the film is loosely based on JD Salinger's novel, The Catcher in the Rye. It a hundred percent feels that way. It a hundred percent feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I know I shouldn't complain about the book Catcher in the Rye because I never finished it because I hated <laughs> everything about Holden Caulfield. Well, it sounds like, like you were having your own Holden Caulfield moment about yeah. Holding Caulfield, you know, like I just fully gave up on it. I was just like, no, I can't. It was never worth finishing. I was like, why do people like It's a bunch of privileged garbage. Like it's or it's basically like another thing of like, you know, like uh, I'm like, oh, we're just going to make these extremely privileged people like that are just connected and unconnected to society revel in their own issues some more. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, like we we need to grow away from this. We can't like, oh, perpetually accept this for all of time because that's not acceptable behavior anymore. (laughs) It's but I don't think. The thing is, is I don't think it was ever acceptable behavior, but if you're rich enough, people will accept anything. And that's what they're kind of portraying in this. Like entitlement, like the whole, like the whole thing with, um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Jeff Goldblum and Amanda Pete's character where, you know, essentially he has sex with her for rent 
you know, and, you know, she's like his kept woman. But as soon as well, she's an artist, a- she's an artist. Is that what it is? Are we sure that's? I mean, it's definitely like a little bit of like a La Boheme nod of like you know, uh, building the or or romanticizing the poverty of artists, right? Like it's totally that. Like I'm surprised, honestly. I thought she was going to die at the end. She practically does die at the end because she's like overdosing, and he moves her off the toilet to go to the bathroom, and then we never see her again. And so I'm like, okay, I'm assuming she's dead. Well, that's he doesn't, what would happen. But he doesn't care. That's the thing. He doesn't, like, he doesn't care. He doesn't he care about anybody in his life. Like, he cared enough to be like, hopefully she's not actually dead, but doesn't care enough to make sure she's going to be okay. Yeah. There's no oh, reason I got my her. money now. My mom is dead. Just make sure, uh, obviously, this person who put me up in her apartment is fine. I'm yeah. going to California now. Yeah. You know, like, it just doesn't what and and that's the thing i think like igby you're by the end of the movie you're supposed to feel slightly sorry for him but (laughs) you don't like i just like my first like or second or third you know anyways fourth note about igby is igby is just aggravating and he deserves getting smacked around to be honest like because he doesn't learn he's not cool he's not interesting he's just a dick yeah, I mean, yeah. he has catchy one-liners. Catch, I do really like catchy. I don't my, know. Fa- my favorite one was like the he's introducing his brother Brian or uh, Ryan Philippe. Yeah, uh, to Claire Danes, and he's like, what does he call him? Something like, I don't know. He he has like a really imperialist. He's like economics. He's like semantics. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's funny. Yeah, that's but like. You can't you can't just be charming and expect me to feel emotions for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, yeah, he has some pithy one liners that you like. You might giggle at and everything, but I don't find his character charming in any way. Like my whole thing about like even Amanda Peet and the Claire Danes character and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't understand why people are just like, yeah, you know what? I'll help you. I'd be yeah. like, you're a fucking moron. Get out. Like, that would be my like, first Look thing. at you with your leather achete case. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what One are you doing? Point, he's literally sitting on the sidewalk trying to s- uh, sell his silver spoon set like travel bags. Yeah, yeah. So he could get money. And I was just like, that's the extent you're willing to go to to get money? Like, <laughs> just show off how privileged you are? Like, get out yeah. of here, Karen mm-hmm. Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so obnoxious. It was very obnoxious. Like, and like, but but his idea of being poor is just not going home. Like, yeah. though his mother was a pain in the ass, they live in a giant house and she accepted him back home every time he went. So he didn't have to be poor. At that point in time, he was actively choosing to be there because he was too arrogant to just go back home. Right. And then and then he was just using another person for free rent. Like yeah. not everyone who abandons their house to move to New York gets free rent in a loft. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just no. so absurd. In a huge loft space, just just out of nowhere. Just I'm like, fun. I'm supposed to feel sorry for you. Like, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's even like bitching about working for his uncle. I'm like, 
you had a carpenter help you and it seemed like you got high a lot and he was still paying you to be there. Yeah. And you got to live in a house in the Hamptons and a condo in 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 New York City. So what are we complaining about exactly? <laughs> that I don't employed? <laughs> yeah. Like it just it just made no sense. Like, yeah. And the thing is, he keeps complaining about how he's like, I want to run away. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like, but he never actually explains what he wants to do. So I'm never sure. A, I, I get why he's running away from his 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 mother. I guess she's mean yeah. to him, but from the she looks of it, she makes him kill him. Oh, that's true. <laughs> she's psychopath. She is a psychopath. That's fucking crazy. But the whole time she was in this movie like that, I was like, "Damn it, Janet! Like I thought you learned your lesson already." <laughs> oh god i love it but i mean i think she plays a really good mean mother i'll tell you yeah that. she she was a good weird psychopath in this movie yeah <laughs> like like she was very um i don't know how to describe it like she did a very good balance of being like manically angry but yeah. then Ollie would show up and she'd calm down and be like, I can talk to you like a human being. Be more like him. You know, like it was great. <laughs> um, so like I understood the dislike for the mother, but at the same time, it seemed like he kind of deserved it for being such a shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I did feel bad for the dad, though. Like, um, oh, Bill, yeah. Uh, Bill Pullman. He did such a good, like every scene he was in kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Um, and he did it so perfectly well. Why was he catatonic at the end? Like, are we to believe that he's just so out of it that he's like, or was there an accident or something? Because I didn't get why he just couldn't, like, he wasn't even uh, acknowledging his son's visit. I was like, well, like, based on the description, like throughout the movie, they put little hints like he had just like had a mental break. Yeah. And who was it was trying to explain what had happened? Oh, I think it was Jeff Goldblum's character who was like, um, essentially what happened is like he got to a point in his life where he did everything he was supposed to do um, and followed the rules but then he couldn't figure himself out anymore and didn't know what to do next. And it like broke his mind essentially. And I was like, I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't think your brain would break that way. I don't think that's how mental health works. No. no. <laughs> like I, I was kind of wondering, I was like, did they give like shock therapy or something? They lobotomize this dude. Like what happened to Bill Pullman? <laughs> well, I mean, but even throughout, like when you they show like snippets of the progression, where yeah. it's just like he's just ignoring the family, and then he does the weird thing at dinner, you know, where he shows up like naked and starts talking to them or whatever. Then there's the part in the shower where he like cuts himself, and obviously he's gone at that point right. in time and then you see him at the end catatonic there's definitely like a progression but you you never get like a clear like this was the diagnosis because at one point in time what the mother what did she say she said something like uh like he did it to himself or something like that i don't fucking know but so like, the one of the things that made me um appreciate kieran culkin's acting ability was like he did the ultimate like rich guy smarmy move when uh susan sarandon mentioned that uh his father was um 
DH or whatever the uh, oh what's yeah his name? Jeff Goldblum uh, Gold character, yeah. character. And because he gave like the smarmiest little grin to be like oh I guess I'm not gonna have his mental health issues and I was just like oh that's mad that was like pretty nuanced like that little smarmy ass grin and Look. I was like in real life I want to hate you for that but like in <laughs> acting capacity that's pretty that was uh, a tip of the hat there yeah like he had he had really good like what is it called uh, micro expressions of the yeah like, the like sudden subtle movements of like, like it was that flick of the eye like the faintest of smiles and I was just like oh yeah like that's mm-hmm. real life that yeah. I've seen people do that yeah I've seen that I've seen that face I've seen that look before son of a bitch <laughs> that's God, instant relief and it's just ultimate assholery yeah <laughs> oh. he really brought that to life <laughs> and I think and I think too that's one of the like one of the guttural reactions I had to it because we we went to school with rich kids like this right like <laughs> I mean they may not they may not have been as smart as Igby or as witty as Igby but they were rich enough to be smarmy and think yeah. they're better than everybody and, and all that kind the of stuff confidence the, the confidence, confidence. Yeah. oh my gosh the confidence that would come off of these complete idiots yeah they would have the confidence to be incredibly and absolutely wrong to your face yeah and And tell you you were wrong and you're like no that's not in fact true but that is yeah you're you you are professing it right now yeah you know (laughs) no one can tell you otherwise and unfortunately (laughs) this was before google where you just you know boop 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 in your face it's been like oh wait we have to go to the library and look up a book and do all these uh, things and flip through that was nothing that was gonna happen you just kind of shrugged and walked away and be like moron you know that was it that's all you had so that's and that's what you did it's fine um i did have a question though yeah um so in the movie they talk about some book by a poet named Rilke and they're like they're like oh don't you have a book that ever changed your life or or, you know changed your outlook or quote-unquote should have do you have one that like somebody gives you like oh this will change your life or have you read a book that you're like this has changed my life you know what I mean oh my gosh oh put me on the spot (laughs) Uh, okay I'm just gonna like tell you the most recent one only because like I just finished reading it and it, it did change my life. I thought it was really good. The book is called How to Be Oh No Troublemaker, a Fear Fighter Manual by Lovey Ajui Jones. Okay. Anyways, it's all it's kind of like uh I don't want to say self-help book, but it's kind of like um a book about how to be in a professional workplace environment that like where you can advocate for yourself in a way that like so she's dealing with a lot of issues around like uh race and gender and the inequities in the workplace and how you can assert yourself and so i like that she comes from that lens so it's mm. just about i think it's that's really transformational in in this time like during the pandemic especially like these kinds of issues are inequality are coming up and like even in how we can relate with each other in the workplace so I thought that was just hugely valuable like it it definitely shifted my outlook and like how I can contribute and participate in things because you're definitely made to feel like 
these are your parameters and you don't ever leave. And if you're uncomfortable, how dare you say anything? If you're having emotional response to something someone is doing to you, that's your problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, I feel like we are meant to internalize. And I think that's a theme of both of these movies too. Like women are meant to internalize their issues and never publicly express them. I would mm-hmm. definitely say that happened to like Amanda Preet and Claire Danes yeah. in that movie. Like yeah. they never ex- expressed or advocated for themselves or forthcoming with what their desires were. Uh, maybe Amanda Preet, but she was high. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's one of like one of my recent transformational books. Mm-hmm. It's called Yeah, Professional Troublemaker, and I highly recommend it. Okay, I would definitely look that one up. That sounds interesting. Uh, I mean, I feel cynical saying this, but like I do have, I have been given books or told certain books, but like this will change your life. Um, I remember I read the The Alchemist. And people are just like, oh my God, it's so transformational. It's so this, it's so that. And I read the book and I was like, uh, why? I, okay, I'm going to just put it down. I'm going to walk away. Like, was this now. the first kind of, because uh, it's kind of like fantasy, isn't it? Like, it's about, isn't it about a shepherd or something? Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, a world not of our own or current reality. Yeah. It's fantasy-ish to me. I don't know. I don't think that book is transformational. Maybe it was transformational. Maybe they didn't read a lot. (laughs) Maybe. I don't even know. Like, but like a lot of people at the time, it's like, they're just like, no, man, it's just going to expand your mind and you'll, you'll understand your world and make you think and blah, blah, blah. And it's, and it was a short book. So I was like, sure, I'll read it. You know, it's not like a, like a giant tome or anything i'm trying to i'm trying to remember the that stupid book that people say they've read but nobody ever actually read um (laughs) but uh so i was just like ulysses by james joyce (laughs) (laughs) maybe that one too i don't know definitely Um, that one but it has uh, no punctuation in the last chapter just saying (laughs) so it's just one run-on sentence it is it is oh my god that would drive me nuts torture I would sit there being like, and a comma, and a period, and Fuck you. colon. James <laughs> Joyce, now I know why they called you blind. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, this book, I read it, and I was just like, it's a fine story. It's well-written, but not transformational in any way. Do you remember how people freaked out about Life of Pi and just like, I remember that being like the buzz book for a long time mm-hmm. and just like, oh, such a twist. And I was just like, no, I knew at the beginning the whole thing was an allegory. Like, I get it. Like, yeah, <laughs> like- actually, um, uh, Yan Martel, uh, during that buzz, because, you know, me, I hate things that have buzz at that time and I just <laughs> do whatever else. So I decided <laughs> to read one of his other books, which I thought was amazing i think it's called you and it's sort of like um uh it's it's orlando-ish where it's like it's one person who is uh transforming into different people like throughout like so the man well it's called self not you self um and i loved that book i thought that book was amazing so cool and um it's just like a to me it was like a better concept like i waited to watch life of pi when it became a movie and i watched i liked the movie the movie was fine yeah it was a good enough movie it was just like 
it was so hyped up, right? Like, they, and yeah. it was like, it could never live up to that expectation. And I was no. just like, I don't know why people are freaking out about the, Like, it was, it was okay. Yeah. So funny. So uh, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. It's, I just think, because you'll think it's funny and appreciate it. And it's kind of related to your book on transformation, but it's it's the metamorphosis, except it's oh. the meowtomorphosis. <laughs> oh, I keep blurring it out. Is Can this the... Is this the same guys who did like um what is Pride it? Pride Pride zombies? zombies? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so it, awesome. it's the metamorphosis, but instead of the fly, it, it turns into a cute kitten. <laughs> and so, like, the only only things really about the text are like that have changed are the descriptors of like the fly. Yeah. And so, like, even like the first sentence is like, "One morning is Gregor." Samsa was waking up from an ex- an anxious dream. He discovered that he had been changed into an adorable kitten. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I have to re- I have to read that one now. Okay? I'll lend it to you. <laughs> if, I mean, if I if I could read Private of Zombies, I think I could Meowphysis. I could I could read. It's fun. Fun. well, I, I enjoyed like I I like Kafka. Like I'm always down for like some weird stuff. Uh, and like and i had already read the other one and the fly like that's a great movie right like love the fly yeah gold another gold bloom classic mm-hmm. um but uh yeah yeah <laughs> i was shocked how much i hated jeff goldblum in this movie yeah I but i think that just in this movie he I was just, so smarmy and such an asshole yeah. and like he was despicable he was yeah I, I remember the first moment when you really are introduced to him in the movie where he was sitting down at dinner uh and he's talking and the the kid is kind of purposely being like antagonistic in the conversation saying like uh his roommate recently committed suicide and he was trying to trigger a response out of them and he's Mm -hmm. all he could say is like well some people need to die like something like totally scrooge like uh oh reducing the surplus population wasn't it wasn't it that like some some people need to fail so we can learn to be better or something like that it was something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it was totally just something like rich, pretentious asshole comment, yeah. right? And I'm just like, oh, it's like Dickens level asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> well, because he was even going on about uh, what was it that uh, family should be treated like a like a company and a contracts. contracts between like your kids and your wife and so where in the contract kind of is he allowed to? beat his child well, exactly right so i didn't i didn't read the contract i don't know where it is in there that's breach of contract but, sir exactly <laughs> so it was like stuff like that where i was just like you are a horrible person like yeah totally. you know and like he was just so gross the worst yeah the worst yeah the only other movie i dislike him in that i've i've watched that I can remember. There's lots of disclaimers in front of that because there's probably definitely other movies where he's played like an asshole. But in um, in Life Aquatic, he plays like uh, Zizu's like mortal enemy. And there's the part where like he just like there's the dog and he like smacks the dog with a newspaper. And I was like, I hate you. Oh, like that was, was unnecessary. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. You cross the dog, you cross me. Exactly. It made me so mad. I was like, oh, you know. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I just like in this whole movie, like every time he came on screen, I was just like, please go. 
I don't need you here. I don't want any of this. Mm -mm. Can we just establish that as like the bad guy marker in real life? Like if you're bad to animals, if you're bad to women, if you're bad to your own family members in terms of physical violence, like you're a bad person. Like agreed yeah just establish that's a, and that's now the benchmarker like mm-hmm. like we just need to get used to uh identifying these faster and quicker and more efficiently so that we could move on from these people more quickly because honestly like what are we wasting our time yeah. watching <laughs> yeah no it's it's very true like i definitely stay away like if a dog automatically growls at you because you walk into a room i don't like you that's yeah. that's just it. We are friends. We're not. No, this is not a not acceptable. Like, there's a difference between like a dog just barking, like because you know dogs get excited, blah blah blah. Yeah. They bark, right? But if a dog like like is all of a sudden automatically goes into aggression mode, mm-hmm. well, that's warning. That's a warning, right? And that's a warning about the dog owner too. Yeah, there you go. There's a <laughs> lot of things going wrong there. That's it. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely trust animals for sure. They have better, <laughs> they, they definitely have a quicker, better sense about people than, than other people do. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. So did you have a favorite book or did you talk about your favorite book? Uh, it's not my favorite, like books that changed my life. Um, I can't even like, there are definitely books out there that I've read recently. I've been doing a lot of audiobooks, And so um one thing I used to hate was reading biographies. I couldn't read biographies, but listening to biography books read by the writer. Yeah. Fucking totally. blows my mind. I love um, that too. Like, uh, so one of the first ones I did was the Trevor Noah one, Born a Crime. Oh my God. Like, it just like how he puts his stories together, how like it culminates at the end, you know, like there's a thing that happens at the end that he drops hints about it throughout the, the book. And you're just like, wait, did he just say that? What? And then like it's coming to the end of the book and he hasn't mentioned it or explained it. And then it yeah. happens and you're just like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. like it's one of those things and it's really quite fantastic. Um, I've even done uh, the Amy Poehler book. Yes, please. I really liked that one as well. Nice. Um, she was just very like honest and open and it isn't really about teaching lessons. It was more about like her accepting who she was and being herself, let her have this really good career. And she was super happy about it. Um, and, uh, I can't think of the name of the last one. Hold on. Um, like I did the, the Mindy Kaling one, which I really oh, yeah. liked. Um, is, is everybody hanging out without me? Is everybody hanging out without me? But that wasn't like life changing. Like it was, it didn't make like, it didn't blow my mind. It was just a lot of fun stories. Um, what was that other book called? Oh, let's pretend this never happened by Jenny Lawson. Now. That's a fucked up book about her <laughs> life. And I, that was actually like a, a friend of mine, uh, Erica, she recommended it to me. And she's like, she's like, I almost pissed myself laughing at like this book. But essentially Jenny Lawson, she's like a, a writer slash comedian. 
uh, who who had like a a very popular blog for a long time about her her life and like her mental she's got like mental illnesses and stuff and she realized late in her life that her childhood wasn't normal so like her dad for example was a taxidermist who was obsessed with animals and there's always random animals running around her house and you know she'd have like a deer corpse drying in the backyard and they'd run through it like shit like that um and she got her arm stuck in a cow like it it was weird they're weird very funny stories but it's about um realizing you can you can be great without being normal like essentially is what it is and she was just she's just really honest about like the shit that happens and it's just really funny to listen to her go on about this stuff like it's just really really funny but uh but yeah as you can see it's mostly comedians that i listen to because I need fun things. Still, oh, yeah. Other biographies. But I just read uh, uh, Michelle Buteau's Survival of the Thickest. Really? Uh, because she reads the audiobook and, like, who else can read the audiobook but her? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, if you like the circle and, like, the sassy narration in the circle, then you would like this book. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's who Michelle Buteau is. Okay. <laughs> but she's will, really funny. I'll have to track that one down, too, because I am definitely <laughs> into the audiobook thing right now. Actually, right now I'm listening to Dracula, a book I've, a book I've tried to read many times, and the journaling format of the book yeah, bored me hard. to tears. But this book is beautifully cast. Oh, does um, it have, it does more than one voice? There's Oh yeah, there's voices. different voices. Nice. Alan Cumming and um, Tim Curry are voices. Oh wow. And, stuff. and it is fascinating to listen to. Like I fucking love listening to it. It's pretty great. Nice. Um, but yeah. Lady writer. Lady right? writer. <laughs> um, so I'm just getting into it. I did, I listened to a whole bunch of like Enola Holmes stories. That's I don't fun. Know, this woman who reads them is amazing is all i'm saying i'm like i don't even care about the the actual story anymore i just like listening to her voice oh that's cool so, so it works for me did you watch yeah. the movie oh yeah i enjoyed it I yeah think the that's movie why was I got really good too yeah. yeah yeah i liked it's, it too one thing i liked about the movie after listening to the book is that so they make so the written book is very realistically from that time period because she's supposed to be a lady and all that kind of stuff. And at that point in time, you know, men were just like, Oh, but women have such a delicate sensibilities. And, you know, she probably just has hysteria needs to lie down a minute and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's very apparent in the book version that they look down upon her because she's a girl. Yeah. And um, they're like, they want to send her to prep school and marry her off and all this kind of stuff. And but it's very harsh in like they tone it down in the movie version for sure. Uh, yeah. Because even in the movie version, Sherlock is just like, she's very witty. Let's see what she can do. And like gives her a little space. Yeah. Whereas in this, they're just like, they're like, no, we want to capture you, send you to boarding school. So you get married off and be a proper woman. This is this is your position in life. Yeah. Get your shit together. You know, like it's one of those things. Um, and like her whole thing is that she runs away from them and puts on all these disguises because she doesn't want to get trapped 
into this kind of this kind of life. Yeah, it's, it's much more perilous in the book version than it is in the the movie version. So. I mean, I, I have a, a a story that that adds on to yours that says like that still happens today, like to this no. day, mm-hmm. men still uh, will talk down to women about knowledge points. Like I, I was having a casual conversation in a pool lineup with a three year old about dinosaurs and the dad fully interjects and stops our conversation to inquire uh, to me about how I have my dinosaur knowledge and goes as far as to say, where is your son? Like a woman in 2021 can't have knowledge about dinosaurs. My knowledge must have been purely for the benefit of a man. (laughs) What? I was just like, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe it was happening. I was just like, how am I being mansplained right now? (laughs) I got got a dinosaur right here. (laughs) She does have a dinosaur. What's that thing called? It's got like a fan on the back. This one is a Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus. She's got a Spinosaurus, guys. (laughs) Jeff already told me about um, this this model is already out of date because the tail would have gone from here to here so this gap is incorrect and it would have been covered in feathers oh yes that's true yeah Yeah. well that's what they keep they keep uh, mentioning that they should redo the CG in Jurassic Park to properly represent the dinosaurs with all the feathers and stuff and I'm like if they do that I will fight you I will fight all of you don't you dare it's, it's gonna be like the george lucas like re-edited <laughs> but then we're just gonna change shit yeah even though you're part of the historical society that preserves films oh, yeah mm-hmm. he's just they're buds. They're buds. i see i think spielberg would totally do something like that please don't please don't encourage that behavior i can't take it i can't do it oh, <laughs> here's another dinosaur that i have on my desk <laughs> It's like a little baby T-Rex. Yeah. And uh, I just like to have it in front of me to remind me that I should get up and stretch and not like sit like this. I think I I, I don't have a lot of dinosaurs. I think I have a stegosaurus somewhere. Nice. I don't know. But it's a very tiny stegosaurus. It's not a big stir. It's just very small. I'm not judging you on the size of your dinosaurs. (laughs) Can't judge them without my dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, as long as it's, you know, useful for the, a man in the world. I was just so taken aback by that moment. I was just like, I can't even believe this is existing. Like, why would you question me? I, I was having a perfectly normal conversation with your son about the Megalodon. And you had to interrupt us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You have knowledge that is usually it's not meant for a woman to know on average. Therefore, you must be questioned about it. It's like, no, but you should be used to this because you are part of fandoms like I am. And anytime a man finds out you're part of a fandom, like I love Star Trek or I like the X-Files or I like comic books. The first thing I'm like, oh, I'm you know, I love comic books. I like this. Like this. Like, well, on page 32 of issue 12 of blah, blah, blah. What happened? I'm like, I don't fucking know. You are not a real fan. Automatically is the the response. Um, No matter no matter how many comic books I have, how many comic books I've read, the reasoning behind why I like certain characters and blah, blah, blah. I still get the the 
you know, the game show quiz because, you know, I'm a fan of something that, you know, girls can't really be fans of. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. I mean, yeah. Heaven forbid in this day and age that people exist in the world. Or, I mean, some of the early even paleontologists were women. Like, why can't we believe yeah. that yeah. hundreds of years later, women are still interested? Yeah, some of the earliest doctors were considered like were women and yeah. they were considered to be witches and murdered. So, oh, well, you know, that was for the benefit of the of the doctor. So, yeah, whatever. They're saving whatever. us now. So we forgive that. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, the, the male doctor was like, give them leeches. And we're just like, here, eat some mint plant. You'll be fine. And then a witch burn to death, you know, but um yeah we went a little off topic i must admit sorry dinosaurs <laughs> always always tangent for dinosaurs oh yeah. no we're just uh saying like if you're a man if you happen to identify with either of these characters of of igby or any of the men in the ice storm please don't immediately discredit the information that women have to offer thank yes. you yeah. this is our public service announcement brought to you by tracy and sarah you're welcome <laughs> dun, dun, dun. now you know <laughs> well it's true i mean you know people are always like oh we've come so far i'm like no we haven't have we? i don't know i think we are based on these two movies alone we still have exactly the same problems so based on my paycheck we have the same problems <laughs> Based on my ability to go outside and be accosted every morning by right. random people, we still have the same problems. Yes. I mean, uh, I think we should inspire. Uh, so I just watched that documentary, uh, Woodstock 99, and like mm. the amount of women physically accosted at that event, it's like deplorable. And I even remember at the time, like, oh, this is like just shocking. Like, how awful these women like because they were the cameras were so focused on these women that were going without tops but they were just being mauled like they were hands all over their bodies everywhere and like this is why we need to like inspire men to become feminists because like honestly if women felt safe they would never wear a bra they would never wear a top it's true I don't, i'm wearing a bra right now i don't even know why because it's just my friend on this <laughs> like, me too think, me right? too yeah but like but still like we're we're socially conditioned just because of like the off chance that like we are viewed externally and therefore that triggers a response that's not Controlled. by no means yeah an appropriate mm -hmm. response to have towards a woman well that's the thing like i think a lot of women are brought up to be reserved and controlled i'm like well no if you do this no you don't like you see a sexy man with a shirt off no matter how much you want to stick your hand out and touch it you're not you going don't. to you're not going to but a man because boys will be boys or you know what do you expect she had her boobs out um men are just like they will just grab at it yeah. because they're not taught like it is what a woman does to herself has no nothing to do, to do with you right if she wants to have her tits hanging out that's her prerogative that doesn't mean you get to grab it that doesn't mean she's asking for something no it means she's hot or she's having a good time and she, she wants her shirt off. Living that's her it. life. Her she's business. Living her life. Her business. You know, and and I think that's one of the biggest problems is that people, no, no matter 
how things are, you still have that mentality that no, men can't control themselves. Women have to control themselves because men can't control themselves. And you're just like, no, men can control themselves. They just don't. And in our society, we expect them not to. So when they don't control themselves, we're just like, see, compared to shut that fucking shit down. No, go away. You know, so <laughs> it's still it's still a very big problem. It really is. So, yeah, but that's my biggest takeaway from both of these women or both of these movies is that being a woman is hard <laughs> in yeah. a man's world. It's still a man's world. It is. It's yeah. still a rich man's world. And <laughs> well, both of these were the books and everything were all written by men who have no idea how to w- write women characters. And it's also the usual. Like the- yeah, I, was it uh, Igby Goes Down? Wasn't it written by that guy who's like the uh, Flock of Seagulls character? That's what they call him. And he's in Pulp Fiction. He's the Flock of Seagulls guy in Pulp Fiction. He's the guy laying down on the couch eating a burger. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my That's God. the guy who wrote this movie. And it's like, <laughs> you look like a rich white boy douche. Like, you ultimate bromance going yeah. on right here. Like, oh, my God. I now that I know that that makes so much more sense. <laughs> Does it make Holy you shit. like the movie more or no. hate the movie more? <laughs> I mean, I think it perplexes me on a certain level that is just like breaking my brain in not a good way. You know, it's just it's a lot. It's That's just a, a lot. lot. You know, <laughs> I was like, ranting pretty hard about Tarantino movies the other day. Like mm-hmm. how mad I was that like even just uh, like he won all of like that Oscar accreditation for um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it was ultimately just pandering to like the boys club of Hollywood so much so that it represents Polanski. And then it's just like Oscars for you. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, no, this is so problematic. Like this is so terrible like brad pitt just casually kills one of his wives and that's fine (laughs) it's like those were things that happened in that movie yeah that was one of uh brad pitt's backstory i think was that he was like uh he had a wife she went away really i didn't i didn't pick up on that okay that's a bad thing there was a whole bunch of misogyny going on it's what's happening but I mean, that's a Tarantino movie in general. So like for me, I must admit, Tarantino gets away with a lot for me because it's what I expect in his movies that I, but I enjoy them. It's the violence, the misogyny, it's the, the foot obsession. We get it. That's, that's so like when I see them in a Tarantino movie, I don't complain about it because I'm like, that's a Tarantino movie, right? <laughs> well, um, here we go with the misogyny again. <laughs> well, essentially. I already essentially. bought my ticket. I knew well, it was going to happen. The funniest thing, the thing that got me really mad at him once was he thinks the worst movie he's ever made was Death Proof. And, to, and it's the only movie he's done that... Uh, well, I guess that was probably my favorite. Exactly. It, it is my favorite thing that he's done, where as Kill Bill, yes, Uma Thurman is the main character. But again, it's all about he's man, treated right? horribly. Yeah. yeah, she's treated horribly. The movie's called Kill Bill. It's not called The Bride. It's not called what yeah, is it? The you know, Kid or whatever, whatever. It's called Kill Bill because it's about Bill. The whole movie's yeah. about Bill. It's not about her. It's, it's a revenge Bill. story. It's a revenge story. Whereas 
as death proof, it ends up being revenge at the end. But it's all it wasn't about that. Yeah, yeah, it's not about that. It's about the women. It's about their bond. It's about their friendship. It's about them talking to each other. And they that whole like not the the first like the intro part where you first see like the whole death room part where other people yeah the other people where they're talking about like dudes and getting laid and all that kind of stuff no we're talking about the main people where their whole conversation has nothing to do with men it has nothing to do with finding a man or whatever yeah they want a steve mcqueen car to drive fine but it's all about the car it's not about steve mcqueen right yeah yeah and and I love it because you have smart, great women who can actually are allowed to have a conversation on screen that's not about men. And you're yeah. just like, I love this. This is so and they're good. not even hypersexualized the whole time. Like they're wearing t-shirts and jeans. jeans. Like- yeah. And that's what's great about it. But he thinks it's the worst thing he's ever done. And I'm like, oh, I gosh. wonder why. You make more well, whatever. Just get some women directors in there and let them make some movies. movies exactly. If you could do that, Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening to this, mm-hmm. I, we would really appreciate if you could uh, like just do what you did for um, the director of Parasite and bring in a new era of oh. women in film. Well, like, yeah. let's just bring let's that to the forefront. Well, um, the woman who directed um, Candyman, they're like, this is the first time a female person of color has had a box office like number one film like ever and you're just like seriously it's 2021 seriously like the movie industry has been chugging out shit for just over 100 years now it took this fucking long well, oh we were bi- they were so busy wrapped up in their the ice storms and Iggy goes down <laughs> that we couldn't get to anything else. We just had to keep remaking Holden Caulfield junk, junk. Mm-hmm. for many, many years. Yeah, that's even mm-hmm. now I feel like I don't know. I, I have reservations about going to see Free Guy because I kind of suspect it's just good be rich white boy shit but i'm assured no. by many people that it's a good movie i saw it i, I liked it but they <laughs> shoehorn this random love story in, and i was just Ugh. like that was unnecessary like it was really unnecessary, unnecessary. My, like i saw of- it i saw it coming and then it got to the end i'm like well they didn't do it and then they did it and i was like no, no. but it's a funny movie it's it's fun Yes, I, I mean, one of my favorite things about Black Widow is that there is no romance story in it. There's none. Yeah. And I was just like, perfect amount of romance. Yeah. <laughs> like, we could, here we go, have a female protagonist and here she is just doing her business but, and not unnecessarily hung up on the stupid side plot. Like, yeah. Well, because I think most of the time, like, like, I don't know why our our society is so obsessed with this, but and they want to reinforce the fact that men and women can't be friends and they prove it by showing in every single movie or every single TV show, no matter how much they say they're just friends in the end, they hook up some somehow. And you're just like, but it's unnecessary. Like it's unnecessary, you know? (laughs) So like, come on guys. Like just everybody is here for the sex. It's true. (laughs) 
you know like i mean this is actually like unappealing to some people and also i find like farcical because like my favorite like bad sex scene is like when they simultaneously fall down and hit the pillow at the same time and i'm like never in a million years is that how that happens like no like you people don't know the mechanics like i'd rather you show something accurate than show this like yeah to see it's usually it's the it's usually the wait you're done oh so what oh wait okay i'll wait also it happened in the ice storm too like uh the guy like finishes like super quickly and then is like packing it up or whatever and like and he's never like offering her i'm like oh is it your turn now like you know what i mean never and i was just like what it doesn't women need to be involved in the writing no but that's the thing it doesn't matter for the woman it only matters for the man it doesn't it doesn't the the woman is there to facilitate the man's completion (sighs) whatever she does outside of that doesn't matter doesn't matter (laughs) at all but Um, i'll by all means have that prolonged ass crack shot just unnecessarily yeah you know (laughs) let's let's have let's include that let's make sure that's in there and of course that is that is the little girl's fault because you know, how dare she wear pants? How dare she? How dare she? You know, mm. be in band. <laughs> <laughs> you went in public as a female. Uh, no, you deserve this objectification. Yeah. And also this current trend of I hate it when females do this and I hate it when males do this thing. I'm uh, sorry. Like, I know we're technically animals, but I no. if David Attenborough is not like narrating my life, don't call me a female yeah. or, you know, the female <laughs> approaches slowly with her war makeup on her face to attract <laughs> the male of the sex. No, not acceptable. You know, this female is minding her own damn business. Damn. Thank you very much. Exactly. Attenborough. Exactly. <laughs> drives me crazy anyways um do you have any more questions let's see about igby let's see what notes do i have well i have notes saying that hey jim gaffigan hey cynthia hey jim gaffigan how much was that jim gaffigan scene it was was that like a little tip to like home alone too that's what i was was. thinking Because I was like, isn't isn't this the scene from Home Alone? Moment. Yeah, like yes, I just okay. Um, I felt like that was very purposeful. Like that, whole- I think so too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I I did a little research. Uh, how can anyone be afraid of clowns? My first comment is easy. Second comment is the face, and I was like, oh yeah, clowns are based on racism because everything's racist. So I thought that was fun to find out. Um, yeah, because they apparently evolved from um, minstrel shows, you know, like white face and like the fake curly hair. And then they started throwing colors in the hair and and all kinds of stuff. So, yay. I was like, oh, things are all racist. But they they also uh, they also did a study a little while ago about um, the increased fear in clowns. But apparently it has to do with the uncanny valley because it's the appearance of a face, but not really a face. And it just makes people uncomfortable. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is unhuman like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, 
So they think that's that's the that's the thing. But also it might also just be a general um, hysteria because of social media and connectivity. Oh, so we're doing it to ourselves is what you're saying. Yeah. We're we're the bad white people now. (laughs) We're just bad people in general. Oh, no. (laughs) Didn't expect that turn. (laughs) You're welcome. This is what I do. Um, Oh, I wanted uh, I I had a a note that uh, they were really trying hard with this Labo M moment, like in addition to holding Caulfield, they were spewing so much Labo M garbage because they went so far as to play Bohemian Like You by the Dandy Warhols. (laughs) I was just like, stop shoving this down my throat already. But the thing is, it also didn't the song didn't even fit. Yeah, it was weird. and the like, cold, the cold play song that I associate with Garden State, not this. It also didn't fit. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, it was weird too. Yeah, I don't know where they were going with that, but it just wasn't working. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a couple of things like that where she's like, Meh, I don't know. This is lazy. <laughs> oh, I also, I also have a note saying Igby and Ollie are so gross, narcissistic, and full of themselves. Why would anyone be attracted to them? That was yeah. my biggest question. I was like, I was like, I know, like, um, Claire Danes is supposed to be like a manic pixie girl kind of right, person. yeah. But at the same time, even the manic pixie girl would be like, I'm not going there. That's, no, these two are not right. I'm staying out of this problem. Yeah. Also, she was fucking a 16 year old. Yeah. Ew. Also, why did they have to make her eat so much ice cream? <laughs> I was uncomfortable by that. I was like, really? More ice cream? Get over this with the ice cream. I think that's all <laughs> she ate. Maybe she was a um, bulimic is what it's called. Yeah. Oh, I but I don't understand. Like, was every like every scene was the choice was like, oh, she's here. Let's give her more ice cream to eat. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. Who picked this? <laughs> I don't know. No idea. I could not answer the question. Um... Also, when Rachel, which is Amanda Pete's character, punched Igby and he's like, you're going to have to pay rent this month. She deserved he deserved that punch. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all my notes. I'm done. Also, oh, I have one note about uh, she is getting ready in front of a mirror and she's topless, which isn't the problem. The problem is how she shaves her armpits, which is unlike no oh, woman sideways. yeah no woman in the history of shaving armpits shaves her armpits that way i was like what was she instructed to do this like that was that's not how any woman shaves her. it was so weird it was just like i was completely out of the moment i was like is this like she's trying to be sexy i like there was just some i feel unpure intentions mm-hmm. by the director maybe in that moment that was like well I, like I know you said it's fine that she was topless, but to me that scene was completely unnecessary for her to be topless. Like, why did she have to shave her armpits? Why did she have to be topless? Like she was dressing so she up did- to like go see her boyfriend, but like, but there were more important issues. Like she was covering her track marks. Like, yeah, like yeah. you could show that, like show, but like 
whatever it was just so bizarre it was was, just unfocused yeah i was like are you what are you trying to say about her like you she's sexually promiscuous and a drug user and mentally unstable and an artist and because she's all that she deserves to be treated like shit like what the hell like yeah i just felt like i just felt bad for her because it was very clear if she was treated better she would do less of these things because obviously before she got shit on as hard, like just dumped at the side of the road, essentially. She looked a lot better. Yeah. 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 So like, she just needs some attention and some help. And well, that's like, that's what made, well, that and the bohemian, like you by the Dandy Warhols made me, Oh, she died. She's a hundred percent. That character from Lava Wem. She died of, uh, of tuberculosis or an overdose. Uh, basically she dies of her own poverty. Yes. <laughs> Horrible things happen to women. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't care about the poor people or the women. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's rich white guy issues. Like It, it basically goes to show, like, the minute they kind of fall from that stratosphere, like, yeah, they, they become un- unimportant, right? Like, mm-hmm. even Claire Dane's character, like, like, we don't hear a peep, like, how she's doing in the world or whatever, like, even though she's dating the brother, like, well, not a... <laughs> yeah, well, even the... Even the Jeff Goldblum's wife, who like he's cheating on his wife, oh, yeah. they all just make fun of her that she's so yeah. naive and she's so not with it. But I'm like, why? Why are you making fun of her for that? For being she's like working a to your advantage, person also working to your advantage, but but not saying anything about this husband who is abusing her, obviously yeah. on a certain level. Yeah. That's not that's not questioned ever, ever, ever. They make it seem like she's the bad person for being naive about something. And I'm like, that's not being a bad person. I mean, Austin wrote it, but she said, like, it's a universally known truth that a man of good fortune will be in want of a wife. (laughs) But he has a wife and he ditches her. So (laughs) in both stories. Yeah, they have wives that they just ditch because they're bored, I'm assuming. I mean, it's their obligation as a rich man to have a wife, apparently, and and then to immediately cheat on her. Yeah. (laughs) So that's just kind of like also underscoring like our society's uh, obligation to uh, monogamy, but then not fulfill that. And then like people have to feel guilt around it because we don't accept alternatives like the same same conversation we were having around like teaching young people about like gay people but like we also have to be aware of our own bias about like this this concept of monogamy and like and people's like are beholden to this concept and so much well so much so that they are betraying it constantly but justifying it in their head like yeah why can't you just say that you're not monogamous like problem solved Mm. i mean if if this is how if that was introduced to all the wives at the key party i bet you'd be like oh yeah okay i can get down for this but instead it's like their husband's like oh i gotta coerce you kind of behind your back and like force you into this awkward situation now that you're morally obligated to do (laughs) yeah no it's yeah would have been harder just to talk to your wife initially and say hey i want to open relationship she might have very well said okay yeah me too 
there's a very like I love the fact that like like (laughs) women who are sexual sexually liberated or women who have like a sexual focus are looked down upon but as soon as a man does it it's great and it's studly because he's a man so like I mean like Sigourney Weaver's character in the ice storm is looked down upon for being sort of liberated in a way yeah. like she doesn't hide her sexuality even though she's not she yes she's cheating on her husband but she's not really promiscuous if you know what i mean but yeah. she's clearly liberated she's like i'm a sexual person i'm sexy well she Don't she says to kevin klein like i'm not beholden to you like i'm not here for your truck talk or whatever yeah. right like yeah like she's like what is it i already have a husband yeah, yeah. i don't i don't want to listen to your shit like that's not what i'm here for <laughs> um but that's looked down upon if a woman does it but if a man does it they're just they're just being a man right you know right. and i think and i think one of the reasons why in in not just in movies but in life they don't talk about things like this because women aren't supposed to want sex. Women aren't supposed to enjoy sex. It's supposed to be like taboo for women, but amongst men, it's, it's fine, you know, but then who are all these women you're having sex with then? Well, what are, they're obviously not getting anything out of it clearly from these movies. So like, what is the point? What is the point of all of this nonsense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's 2021. And women do know about dinosaurs, so boom, damn right. Deal with that, yeah. <laughs> God, I'm trying to think of a fancy dinosaur name right now besides Stegosaurus, but I can't. Uh, Pachycephalosaurus. Boom. boom, suck it, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, we got it. We got it. Uh, so, well, on that note, dinosaurs and all. Any final, any final thoughts on these two movies? Um, I think I've given this recommendation before, and I think you should take these ones off your shelf. Um, <laughs> you don't need to dedicate any energy to this area. Mm-hmm. I give you permission. Okay. <laughs> permission. So what you're saying is, so I took them off to watch them. Just don't put them. Don't back. put them back. Like gotcha. we can, we can. You know what? Like just let's just brainstorm movies that we potentially have on our shelves right now that are catering to this like displeased privileged male ethos that you and i could both dispose of i'm gonna have to pull a lot of things off my shelf <laughs> let's just just titles titles just. i'll go first uh once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> wait you own it what <laughs> yeah it was gifted so okay that's different that's different yeah. that's fine Still getting rid of it um well well since you're on that i i gotta get rid of all my tarantinos then you're gonna get rid of all the tarantino i would have to you don't have to i mean, I mean th- there's diversity there i let's have like i'm thinking like films with like the whites and only the whites <laughs> yeah that's a lot of movies uh let's like i'm you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Happy Gilmore. I or no, is it Billy Billy Madison? I don't own either of those, so I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, She's like the rich kid that's like trying to pass all the grades. Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm just, Magnolia. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So that one I have to get rid of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I mean, I think, I think I'm going to enjoy talking about that one, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a definitely a, along the lines of problematic. It's <laughs> very problematic. Oh my gosh. With the director and the actors. And yes. Oh God. There's lots oh. of problems in there. Um, what else would I have to get rid of? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm glad I, mean, I get to I, keep Star Trek. I get to keep that. You get you. I mean, there's. I'm I'm tempted to say Back to the Future trilogy because that's a little bit pandering. To yeah. Oh, it's very pandering. But yeah. it's 1955. You expect it to be pandering. <laughs> I mean, I do have like a soft spot in my heart, and and also with Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> but I don't like how he treats the ladies. Let's get no. that clear. He treats them very badly. <laughs> it's bad. Um, I don't own any James Bond movies, so I can't get rid of any of those. Good, because those uh, those should definitely go if you did. <laughs> I feel bad that I enjoy those movies. Every time I watch them, I sit and I'm just like, oh, pussy galore. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> Avana Av- on a top. Really? Is this where we're going? Uh, Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, that I'm definitely gonna say I have more than one Austin Powers movie that needs oh, to go. I have all of them, so it's fine. I get it. <laughs> I mean, it's satire, right? It's so... satire. That's so that's the whole point. Yes, yeah, complete satire. Yeah, totally get it. Totally get it. I mean, I it's making when he's the megalomaniac version, like he's making fun of that, right? Like he's not a part of that. Like mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. calling it out. He's calling it out. He's just like, this is this is wrong. Don't be this guy. Yeah. 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 Yes. I mean, even though his son ultimately usurps him and is worse, that's also just problematic rich boy behavior. But it's called it's, nepotism. Okay. It's it's Seth Green, and I can forgive. <laughs> I forgive you, Seth Green. Okay. okay. I have to get one of my two Woody Allen movies then. Oh, absolutely. Do you have any Polanski? Because get rid of that too. Uh, no, I don't think I have any Polanski. Good. I think so. I don't I'm know. proud of you. I don't think I have Polanski. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, one Woody Allen movie, Radio Days. I fucking love that movie and it makes me angry that I love it so much. Um, the other one was Annie Hall, which was just pure curiosity. Um, but we talked about that one already. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> what we're As I go along and I watch them, I will be pulling them off and not putting them back on. Good, good. Are those are my recommendations. I mean, not that they don't deserve their place in cinema, but they get so much of the of representation in cinema that it's yeah. like enough enough there was a reason why i i stopped watching so much fictional movies like mm-hmm. i love documentary film more than like like fiction right now or mm-hmm. and same biographies over than fiction just because it's like it's the only place where you can find other voices represented it's true it's true i mean um when it comes to i i don't do a lot of documentaries simply because a lot of them are depressing and i watch movies to get away from reality (laughs) um so i do still watch a lot of movies but you can clearly see that at least people are trying to mix it up a little bit whether it's like i said money making you know just placating the masses or you know actually reform i haven't figured it out yet it's too early to tell but uh but yeah there's other stuff coming out so now yeah. well, like now. the the now. new marvel movie the 
Shang-Chi. Yeah, I yes. want to see that one. That yes. looks great. Mm-hmm. That looks really good. Yeah, I want to see that one. They have the lamest toys, though. Like the ads for the toys are horrible. I'm like, what are you people doing? Don't do that. It's fine. But the movie's going to be great. I'm going to be nice. watching that as well. I want to see that and Candyman this weekend. Oh, nice. That's I want to cool. see those too. Yes. Awesome. Full of diversity. Woo! Yes. So, anyways. Okay. Yeah. We tangented. It's fine. Yes. Oh, wait, can I tell you something weird that happened this week that it was like, it's kind of shocked me that again, 2020, 2021, this even happened. Mm-hmm. But Shaq went to say of all the cities, NBA cities that Toronto had the most beautiful women. And I was just like, Shaq, in 2021, why? Who's asking your opinion about women? And why are you offering your opinion? Why are you grouping all women together and comparing them in your mind? I was, mm-hmm. just, like, I was just like, what woman in Toronto is like, you know what? I really need to hear Shaq's opinion right now on my sexual attractiveness because like I can't live another moment of my goddamn day so, without knowing. So why did he like he just randomly said it? He was like in an interview or something? Well, I don't know. I, it was just reported. It like uh like blog to and, and i was too mad to read the article just based <laughs> on that headline alone i was like who the fuck cares shack yeah i don't give opinion on any topic let alone the attractiveness of any women in any city like i'm yeah. not coming to you as an authority on shit yeah <laughs> like, i mean like, oh. okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be one of those people where at first i was like oh we are hot. Yes. <laughs> hey. uh, but then afterwards, I was just like, wait, why? Do we care about Shaq things? What's going on? I am confused. <laughs> also, what about like a man validating a woman's physical appearance is needed or wanted in this day and age? Like, uh-huh. unless it's on a personal level and that person can say my first name to my face without looking at my tits and compliment me in some way, uh-huh. I'm here for it. But like, you know what? Outside of that, like, I don't want to hear from a stranger. I don't want to hear uh, random pseudo celebrity opinions on people or things Uh that they are not experts in (laughs) yeah i don't know that just seems to come out of left field for me and i'm just confused by if he was gonna rank attractiveness then he could have ranked like uh within his profession right Uh like if, if it's your career then you know make it relevant to your career but how is this relevant in any way and he just felt like he was the authority to speak on it i was like tracy what in your life are you willing to what bold big statement are you willing to make right now that that could challenge Shaq's own inflated opinion of himself um, my bold opinion is that, um, chocolate is delicious, um, no matter where you get it from. Nice. I said it. Bold. Bold. I said it. True mm-hmm. words. Yes. Right here. That waxy dollar store stuff. Mm. That shit from Europe. Mm. Chocolate. All of it. Just all, all of it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate's great. Mm-mm. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm going to do the little, the. <laughs> sorry i did the little the the shack very excited shoulder meme thing i don't think it's whatever it's fine <laughs> i'm good yes <laughs> all right so we're done talking about rich white people and apparently one black guy who thought it was important to tell women <laughs> stuff i don't know 
I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Lots of, yeah. It just, these, I, it, it just tied in in my mind because of like the, I don't know, the objectification of, of yes, yeah. In this day and age, it's it it happens continuously and persistently. Women are like undermined and objectified, mm. and it's a continued reality that needs to change please help us please join well, the side of- well, one thing i find really funny about it is that so there's also been a backlash against that because so men say stuff like that and then people are just like oh you know and then but women get all like thirsty over some guy and they're just like oh the sexiest man alive is this guy blah blah, blah. and then you get the backlash of like yeah i bet if that was said about a woman everybody'd be up in arms about it and you're just like but 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 you have been for all of our lives all this time we've been telling you to right stop now. and you haven't and now you're continuing to do it and you're you get mad when the same thing happens to you okay gotcha mm-hmm. i see where right. this is going mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's you know there's there's certain things you can't argue about anymore because like it's not even like cancel culture. It's not even woke culture. It's just a bunch of people being getting their panties in a bunch. Let's put it that way, you know. Or they're they're junk twisted. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> What's a PC term for underpants not sitting correctly and being very uncomfortable? Uh, naughty knickers. Naughty knickers. Naughty knickers. Yes, naughty knickers. It is naughty. Naughty naughty. <laughs> into the boudoir (laughs) past the vanity (laughs) past the commode (laughs) forthright into the antechamber (laughs) oh my god imagine i have a home that has an antechamber that'd be so exciting (sighs) i have an antimatter chamber Mm-hmm. <laughs> making it happen <laughs> in my dreams <laughs> do i think all of us have one of those in our dreams to be honest It'd be pretty good well, good thing to have in your dreams how dare you dream of stem <laughs> issues you woman <laughs> get out how, of there how could i <laughs> have you i just read about the scully effect have you read about the scully effect about how like a whole bunch of women got into STEM because they love the, the X Files. and X Files, yes. I love that so hard. I was like, I hope that's a real thing, yeah. and more more women scientists need to be on TV. Although they don't have to be religious. That was one thing that always bothered me about Scully that she was like, yeah, religious. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very. They tried to work it in more. But yeah, no, it didn't really work very well. But I don't know. But a lot of scientists are religious and they believe in God and stuff. They just be like, you know, God created us in his image and God knows stuff. So now we know stuff and we can make stuff. So there you go. That's that's it. God provides. I mean, there's there's a place for like, you know, I mean, even isn't it Carl Jung that like fights for like theology in sociology like so i understand that there there can be like an intersection but it's just mm-hmm. one part of the x-files that really pissed me off i wanted her to be a little bit more agnostic is all i'm saying okay. no like yeah no i get it i get it yeah i find they have to um like 
the purposes for women to do things in film and TV, whether they be like a scientist or a superhero or whatever, their purpose for doing stuff has to be is always very different than the purpose for a man doing something. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. like I mean. I still remember when I saw the Wonder Woman movie and he, she's like, I'm doing this for love. And I was just like, go fuck yourself. Uh, you don't no. have to do shit for love. No. <laughs> right? Or, you know, like Scully has to be religious because she has to to tie to, to, to her human nature somehow. And you're just like, really? She can't just be like a person? Like that's, that's allowed, you know? Um, or, or like, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like we were talking about Black Widow before, is that they didn't, they didn't change her purpose. They didn't tie her down in any way. They didn't, you know, change her character suddenly because she has her own story. Yeah. It's like, nah, I was grown in a thing. I learned my stuff. I was a bad agent and I'm going to kick more ass. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. No love required. No love Except required. For, well, there was like some Stephonic love because like her sister and stuff. But well, yes. Yes. That's fine. Uh, I also appreciate that. Love takes many forms. Like love can be between like, yeah, like relationships, like between like uh, parents and children and siblings. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we can show all of those things. Like even the ice storm didn't really like underscore any of those other relationship types even though the, all those relationships existed in the film and the books like nothing else was showed except for like the weird sexual bits so i was yes. like mm-hmm. this weird focus man like yeah you would hope in this domestic situation of like wealth and privilege that you would have other positive aspects like a healthy relationship with your parents or uh, mutual respect for your siblings but no you don't get any of that like (laughs) yeah like none of them seem to want to interact on that level at all like they all hated each other even if Igby goes down like he hated his brother he hated his mom Mm -hmm. his uh, biological dad was a real jerk to him and his uh adoptive father was not mentally available oh. so like yeah it was, it was like everything negative to people you didn't like anyways so it yeah. just didn't like they weren't none of them are nice characters there was nobody to root for in any of these movies you're just like you get yeah. what you get at yeah. the end. You deserve like, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's you like can have money it. and problems. Surprise. Oh my God. Shocker. But that doesn't mean you have to be a dick. That's all I'm right? saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's all weird, to be honest. Yeah, just be um, a feminist. It'd be boobs everywhere. <laughs> all over the place. Oh. <laughs> You wouldn't have to wait for uh, an awkward 20 second scene of a woman shaving her armpits too. Like just all the time in every instance, the meeting, the gym. Yeah. Yeah. But also the way they used the nudity in that was just so like, it was not a happy moment. No, all of the sexual things in these movies were none of them were happy moments. No, they were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable. They were gross. They were, you know, slightly aggressive at points or just like yeah desperate you know yeah you're like no this is supposed to be fun it's supposed to feel good they clearly none of that felt good at any point in time so no whatever it was bad it was all bad <laughs> all bad yeah. take those movies off your shelf <laughs> they're off they're off 
So final thought for me is, uh, despite the fact that these two movies have a great lineup of people, they're very unnecessary. There you go. I said it. It's <laughs> You're allowed. I'm allowed. Great. I mean, I think we just come to expect so much more and it just doesn't... I mean, it's hitting some surface things that it doesn't go very deep. And if anything, it's kind of misguided and misconstrued. And if there was an intention or like a point to these films, I don't think I understood what it was. Me neither. I I absolutely agree with you. So therefore, they it was bad. Like, yeah, like I, I honestly don't understand what you're supposed to get from either of these films. And like, what an amazing luxury to be like, oh, I'm going to depict this uh, upper crust society uh, just out of my own personal pleasure. And mm. I have the means to do that and I can do it however I want. And I'm going to mm. pick to do it like this. So I was like, wow, that in itself is extreme privilege. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, because it doesn't come across, it doesn't co- even come across as like satirical or a reflection or you know ways we can change or, or anything it just comes across as here's dickish people hanging out yeah like you know and you're like i, I mean hopefully in the, in, in the future like maybe people will like look back at it and be like oh yeah misogyny and um racism was prevalent well into the late 19th century or 20th century (laughs) all the way into the beginning of the 21st century (laughs) you're like yep that was still a major issue you're welcome from climate change (laughs) oh god so um so thank you so much sarah for being on this week thanks for having me it's always a pleasure you know that so excited to be here on the pod yeah <laughs> uh well that's it for this episode of off my shelf until next time you can follow along on instagram and twitter at oh my shelf or you can send an email to oh my shelf at gmail.com on the next episode we'll be talking about the movies the incredibles and interview with the vampire hope you'll be here to listen